Hey, this is Pastor Ali, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date with Bold Church, if you want to find out when our next gathering is or how to live stream an event, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. You may be seated. That was an awesome, awesome worship. I know some of us are still reeling in from Thanksgiving. Who here ate like two plates of Thanksgiving? Just, just three? Y'all are all liars. Uh, I'm so glad to be here today because today is a very special day for myself and my husband, who could not be here because he is actually preaching somewhere else, but this is a special day. Let me go into a little story time real quick. Six years ago, before we started this church, it was just a dream, and before it was even a dream, it was a conversation piece between me and my husband. I began to say, what would it look like if we started a church for the people that are in our lives who believe that Jesus is not attractive and that Jesus is not something that they need, is not someone that they want to do anything with. So we started toying around with that idea. And at the time, we were actually looking for a church because we had left our previous church. So we gave ourselves a timeline of about five or six weeks at the most to church hop. And uh, during this time, we fasted and prayed. And the more we prayed, the more I heard the Lord Lead me to Westgate Church. Anybody familiar with Westgate Church? They're an awesome. Yes, that's right. You can give him praise. And, you know, my husband had a different church that he was leaning towards. And I kept just saying, I really do believe that God wants to do something with us through Westgate Church, specifically through Pastor Steve and Pastor Dana Clifford. And um, we started going to Westgate Church. And Westgate Church is actually one of the first founding churches that sent us off to plant Bold Church. Yeah. And what began that year was a year of mentoring and shepherding and healing and vision casting and all the goodness that God could provide through this awesome couple. And one of the people from that awesome couple is here today. So I want you to give an awesome, bold shout out and welcome to Steve. Yes, that's right. You can come on up. This is Steve Clifford. It's really hard for me to not call him pastor, but because I want to honor him and he prefers to be called Steve, we're going to call him Steve. He has made a huge impact in my life. Him and his wife together have made a huge in my life, but also my husband's wife. Uh, Steve is truly a man of the word, and honestly, anyone in this valley who has planted a church, is in the church, has been in ministry, knows that Steve and Dana are about the kingdom of God, and it is a huge honor for us yeah. to have you here. Uh, so can you extend your hands and just let's pray for Steve today. Lord, Father, we just thank you so much for men that stood on your word, stand on your word, and are willing to stand further on your word. God, we thank you for his testimony, the testament that he's here today, Jesus, and that he's going to share a word that you have given him for us, God. We tune our ears and our hearts towards what you have to say. Bless him, anoint him, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Amen, thank you. Thank you, yes. Good morning. I wish I could see you. But there's these two cars coming out of the, out of the dark back there. Um, greetings from, with my wife uh, from her. She could not make it. She's got meetings this morning, but uh, sends her greetings to you. I don't know how many of you participated in uh, Black Friday just a few days ago. Any Black Friday deal shoppers looking for? 
Here's some interesting information. Um, we set a new record on Friday just online shopping, just online. $9.12 billion were spent. Now, just to put that in perspective, that's more than the GDP of 144 countries in our world. And the prediction is, the prediction is, is that, um, what do you call it, Cyber Monday tomorrow is going to exceed Black Friday online. Their, their estimation is that there's just going to be $11.2 billion spent wow. tomorrow online for stuff we don't need for people we don't like. <laughs> now, um, Ollie has given me a tough assignment, and so because of that, you have a tough assignment. And the tough assignment is he's asked me to come in and give a biblical teaching on money. And if you're going to be a generous church, you're going to have to understand what the scriptures teach about money. I'm going to do my very best to give you a ton of stuff and take you to my favorite passage, and I think the most clear passage in terms of what is expected of people who follow Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not following Jesus um, at this time, we under, we're, I know the bold is thrilled that you're here. What you get is the inside scoop on how we're supposed to act if we say we love Jesus. And then those of you who follow Jesus, what you're going to get is a slap in the face about what you're doing with your money and whether you're allowing the Bible to kind of influence that or not. We, we talk a lot about being a Christian and a Christ follower. Our primary role, probably one that you hear a lot from Ali, is as an ambassador. We're a representative of the King of Kings. But we actually have two components to our lives. We're certainly ambassadors and representatives, but we're also stewards. And a steward is someone who looks after the possessions of someone else's. And all that we have, um, according to the scriptures, is given to us, and um, we're to steward it for God's glory. So I want to take you to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in three verses there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to have a principle about money, and I'll show you where that's taught throughout the scriptures. There's going to be a procedure of how to use your money, and then a promise at the end, if you follow the first two, what will happen. So let me read to you the, the principle, and it's a little bit weird for us because we're not an agrarian culture, but I'll help, I'll help you with it a little bit. My, it starts with this, verse 6. It says, my point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, the word sparingly there is, is the word, we would translate it stingy. Um, actually holding on to something with, a, with an uncertain uh, conviction about where it should go and trying to keep it to ourselves. To withhold what is due towards someone else. That's what it means to sow sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. This word for generous is a very interesting word. It's where we get our word eulogy in the Greek. We, and you've heard eulogies before that are speaking about a person's life and they're generous towards that person and, and kind of looking for all of the good. This right here is talking about someone who lives with their resources in such a way that is looking for opportunities to share and to speak well of and to um, live in that kind of a way. And we see this principle of what I would call the law of the harvest. If you reap sparingly, you sow sparingly. And if you reap generously, you, 
you see this actually the law of the harvest throughout the scriptures. It's, it's explained by Jesus. See if you pick it up. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be the measure you receive. It's illustrated in nature, John said in John chapter 12. I tell you the solemn truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Philippians chapter 2 talks about how Jesus modeled the law of the harvest for us, where it says he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as a result, God exalted him, gave him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then it's applied, actually, the law of the harvest is applied to us in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus says this, you want to save your life? Whoever wants to will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world? All you want on Cyber Monday. Carte blanche, unlimited expenses. What does it gain you if you lose your soul? The scriptures here are teaching us that this kind of a generous life is actually the kind of life that should mark every Christ follower. And that you develop this generous heart by releasing the very thing that has the power to consume you. I'll share a story with you. When I first came to Westgate, I'm old, um, as you can see. Um, I was really worried about you all this morning because of the glare off the top of my head and those bright lights. But I think your, your eyes have adjusted by now so you can finally see the rest of me. Um, when I came to Westgate Church, I was counseled by an older pastor in town that the time to balance your church budget is the end of the year. He said, you take advantage of the end of the year giving and you make sure that you make some special arrangements so that um, whatever you have a shortfall of, you can kind of get it at the end of the year and just plan on that. Now, nothing against that guy and he's long gone, so he's left town, but um, that just didn't sound right to me. It, it sounded like if we were going to call our people to be generous, especially at the end of the year around Thanksgiving and Christmas, that the church would model that kind of generosity. And so we established at Westgate something that um, was actually counterintuitive. We said, we're going to take offerings at the end and give those offerings away. And instead of balancing our budget, we'll just leave that to God. And we'll model what we're asking our people to be. Because here's the deal. In, in the United States, the average Christian gives away 2.5% of their money. The average church gives away 2.5%. We are producing as an organization exactly what we are. And so I thought, well, if that's true, then let's see if we can't break the mold. Let's just take those dollars. Well, I was actually by a different pastor told, surefire way to blow it, Clifford. Look, you're young, you're new to town. Let me help you with this. And I said, no. I said, I'm editing what I said in my mind. 
I don't want to tell you what I actually said, but I thought we're just going to give this thing a try anyway. And um, we began to model that kind of a thing where we just started being able to be generous. And it infected the whole uh, mindset of our church. We eventually, by 2009, we'd been giving money away and we decided we wanted to focus our money on something particular. And that focus was clean water. And we decided we want, to, we want to make a difference in clean water, but we know we're, we're not going to make much of a difference. We're just one church. So in 2009, by the, I'd been there eight years. By 2009, we took a special offering. We said we're going to give it all away to dig wells. I thought we'd maybe dig, honestly, three or four wells. Um, and I thought that was great. I didn't, really, I didn't really care. I was leaving the results to God. So that's not my part. Right? That's not your part. Your part is just to be faithful with what God asks you and the results God will take care of. Well, I was surprised um, that we ended up digging 12 wells that first Christmas, all in El Salvador. And it served about 6,000 people. And I thought, 6,000 people for the next 20 years will have clean drinking water every day, 24-7. 6,000 people. That was a lot more than Westgate was. I thought, this is fantastic. Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, we've done it now for 12 years. And we've dug over 500 wells. And in 25 different countries, providing fresh, clean water 24-7 for over 250,000 people every day. Every day. It's amazing, you see, when you begin to apply the the law of the harvest, and be, choose to be a generous person. So you, you, get, you lose really the coveting and the, the, the materialism. It, it, if you will release it, it's the very thing that will consume you. You release it, and it actually starts to pay dividends on you. So let me give you um, a theology of money, and you should get your phone ready because you should take a picture of this slide once I get done. I'm going to give you a, a broad spoke, spro, uh, stroke, broad stroke, um, understanding of how I see money. Now, I think what you should do if you're a responsible Christian is you should take these verses that I mentioned and you should check it out. I mean, for, for all you know, even though Yasmin was very kind and uh, Westgate's been around for a while to help you guys, uh, I wouldn't take my word for it. For all you know, I'm having a bad day. I mean, right? Who knows? So um, you should constantly be measuring what you hear, especially online, and what the scriptures say. So here's my theology of money. Number one, earn money ethically. Over and over again in the scriptures, especially in the Proverbs, here's an example of it. It says, the Lord hates cheating and he delights in honesty. So here's the deal. If you're doing things where you're lying or cheating or promising things you cannot deliver on, you need to change how you practice your business. There's a word for this, actually. If you're in tech industry, you'll understand, um, especially if you're in sales. You know, forgive me if, for this, but um, this is called polishing the turd. Okay? Those of you who know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about, if you're in a business where they're demanding that you do that all the time, you might want to consider changing careers. Earn money ethically. Secondly, spend money wisely. Proverbs 21, the plans of the diligent lead to sh surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty 
comes to poverty, if you can buy it with one click, that's the definition of hasty. I mean, I've got that. I can buy now. And so spend money wisely, slow things down. Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So there's, there you go. If you're here and you're saying, I don't know what this dude's talking about money for. I ain't got no money. Whatever you got, can you be trusted with it? Spend money wisely. Third, avoid destructive debt. Romans 13 says, let no debt remain except for love. And Proverbs 22 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Here's a scary thing, and I don't know if this applies to this room. I don't know you guys well enough. So let's just talk about the people out there, okay? The average American has $8,000 worth of credit debt, credit card debt. So we're not talking about homes. We're not talking about automobiles. I'm just talking about credit card debt. If there were 100 people in this room, that would be $800,000 of credit card debt. If I were preaching at Westgate, there would be $24 million worth of credit card debt. Are you kidding me? That's a destructive debt, especially when you're just paying the minimal and letting that perpetuate over and over at a high, high interest. It's okay to use credit cards if you pay them off each month. So avoid destructive debt. Fourth, fourth, third, fourth. Save money consistently for your future. I know at, at the age that most of y'all are, you're thinking, ah, you know what, I'll do that later. If you don't do it now, you probably won't do it later. Um, just go ahead and establish the habit of saving money for the future Proverbs 6 says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and be wise. Even though they have no prince, governor, or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. I mean, here's what I would say. Be at least as smart as an ant. And I think that's fair. Fifth, give money to the poor generously. Proverbs 19 says, the one who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what, he has done, what they have done. Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper. And the one who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. I will just tell you, um, mostly because of the credit of the woman I married, but I have, I have modeled these teachings and lived, tried to live a generous life. And I've tried to lead a generous church. And there's nothing more fun. There's nothing more fun. Could I have had more stuff? Certainly. Could I have driven newer cars? Absolutely. But that wouldn't have really mattered. And last would be to tithe biblically, to give biblically money to the house of God that you support and support their ministry. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about tithing because it's, it's weird. And this will get me a little bit of trouble. Possibly Ollie will have to come in and correct me. But if you want to take the model of the, of the scriptural tithing, it's actually quite different um, the tithing that was going on in the Old Testament was over 25% because there was three different tithes that were demanded of the, of the folks. The first tithe um, was a sacred tithe that supported the, the temples and um, things that were going on there, and that was a straight 10%. wasn't really optional. You had to do it. There was a second tithe that was really a cool tithe, um, 
it was a tithe that was a tithe of the festivals. And what the scriptures taught was because there was four or five festivals that they were required to attend, and those leaving your work, um, leaving your farms and everything else, and traveling to Jerusalem and being in that festival cost money. It cost money to leave your work. It cost money to, to travel. It cost money to buy food while you were there. And, and you actually were supposed to save for the festivals. Now, it was 8 or 9%, so it was, but it was a vacation fund was what we would look at it. It was a travel fund where they got to go and celebrate the Lord for six, seven, eight days at a time. And then there was a third tithe, which was the tithe for the poor, and that was a six to, six to 8% tithe. So the, the tithe in the Old Testament is way over 20%, plus the taxes that were going. So let me talk to you a little bit about tithing. Tithing in the New Testament is not the standard for giving. Uh, perhaps more than any other factor in our Christian life, our giving and what we do with our resources really does reflect our heart. Matthew 6 says, wherever your treasure is, this is Jesus. If you don't like it, argue with him. <laughs> Jesus, Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The most, one of the most powerful spiritual documents in your, in your life is your budget. The other one, if I want to know all I need to know about your Christian life, I need, all I need to do is look at two, two documents, your calendar and your budget. You can fake some things, but you can't fake giving away money, at least not for the, with the right reason. So tithing in the Old Testament really is, is a support for the government and the religious uh, leaders of the day. It was a theocracy. It was set around um, the temples and all of those kinds of things. There's, there's no New Testament passage that teaches a strict tithing 10% giving. Tithing puts the wrong emphasis on giving, in my opinion. It turns it into a rule to follow that's too harsh for some and too lenient for others. So here's what I would say. And, and again, Ali will come back next week and fix this. <laughs> there are some in this room that should never give 10%. At, not at this time in your life. Financially responsible decisions in your life because of where you are and what you make means you should give less than 10%. And I'll tell you in a minute how you figure that out. Okay? But there are some in this room who should never give 10%. It should always be more. One other thing about 10% and what's, what excuse us in that is tithing helps. If you, if you think about 10% as God's, it, it gives you a, this wrong perception that the other 90% is yours. And understanding money, which is what I'm here to talk to you about, is to understand that God really owns it all. And he just shares it with you. Well, how do you figure that out? How do you determine then if, if a percentage is floating like that, Steve, and you, you think some should give 5% and some should give 20%, well, how do you figure that out? Well, I'm so glad you asked because verse 7, it says this, each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let's just break that down and look at four different words, thoughtful. 
what you decide in advance to give. The word for thoughtful here, the root word, actually means to weigh anchor. It's to prepare a boat for a journey and then to weigh anchor. So you should, whatever this means, every one of you should give serious consideration and thoughtfulness to what you do with your money. It should be thoughtful, and you should decide in advance. Here's what's not biblical giving. Wow, I really dug that bald guy. Here's 10 bucks. Or he sucked. Here's a dollar. That's not biblical giving. That's not deciding in advance what you're going to do with your resources. Now, what else? You should do it not reluctantly. There should be a generous state of happiness. To be not reluctant is to do something with grief or regret. But to not do it in that way. Because it's it's not equal gifts. It's not everybody before you get to leave, you got to give X amount of percentage. But it should be equal sacrifice. And you shouldn't be reluctant about it. It should be voluntary. Not under compulsion. Did you see that? If you, if, if, here's what I would say to you. And again, Ali will fix it to next week. If you feel any pressure from me about what you're going to do with your money, if you think I'm pressuring you, don't give a dime. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to pressure you into anything. All I'm asking you to do is consider. Now, if it's the Spirit of God saying, Dude, did you really need a new truck? I mean, I don't know who, who got a new truck. So that's just, <laughs> but it might be. It should be voluntary. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just a chapter earlier. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Did you hear that? If the willingness is there, the gift is good. That's acceptable. So, so then the last word is cheerful. We actually get our word hilarious from. It, it, it's not unbiblical to think. I don't think y'all pass a, a, an offering, but if... As you write, well, you probably don't write checks either. Um, as, you, as you give your money, which automatically happens, so you don't really get that benefit. But if you were, if, as, okay, here's it. As you saw your credit card statement and it said bold church on it, and you looked at it and giggled, you're close. You're close. Now, how do you get there? What do you do? What if, if you say, okay, I've got to predetermine, it's got to be thoughtful, it's got to be voluntary, how do I figure this out? You balance two different things that are going on in your heart every time you deal with money, every single time. It's joy and sacrifice. And the way you figure your, your, your percentage is you try to balance those two. Now, let me just give you my own personal story. There was a time in my life that I thought God was really impressed by how much money I gave away. And the sacrifice was way heavy. And the joy was non-existent. And all I really did was hypocritically try to impress some people and put a lot of pressure on my wife. 
And in typical Steve fashion, I overreacted. And the sacrifice was super light. But the joy was big. I felt great about how much money I'd changed into my hands. Somewhere, joy and sacrifice needs to be balanced. And here's the deal. You say, well, I'm not sure how to do that. I'm sorry. Only you can do it. I can't do that for you. I can't give you a... See, you see why 10% is so... It's too easy. 10% would be legalistic for some, and it would be letting some people off the hook. It's not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 8, right there, it says, Now finish the work. You were, you're, you were eager and willing to do it. Stay at it. So we've got this principle, which you call the law of the harvest. We've got this this procedure of trying to balance joy and sacrifice and, and stop thinking about 10%. If 10% is, is where you land, fantastic. I think it's a great place to start. But it might be that God's going to ask more of you. Don't give so much. I would just say this. Again, Yasmin will have Ali fix it. Don't give so much to bold that you can't also be generous to the people around you. You know, that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees when the Pharisees had, were given their money. And they say, you hypocrites, you're giving all your money. You can't even take care of your family. But you make sure that you tithe on all these incense over here and these herbs. And yet your family's over here starving. Don't give so much to bull that you can't um, also be generous to people. My wife and I have three buckets. We have the bucket for church. We have the bucket for ongoing ministries that we want to support, that um, we want to identify and be a part of. And then we've got this catch bucket over here that says, hey, I'm going to send 50 bucks to so-and-so. Or so-and-so's got this going on. I want to, we just got a letter, actually this past week, we just got a letter from two kids in, a, in our church um, who are going on their first mission trip. And they've got to raise quite a bit of money, 1200 bucks between them. And we were like, let's get in it. Let's get in on that. That's cool. So we got three buckets. Now, here's the promise. If you'll, if you'll embrace this principle and try to live by this procedure and try to give biblically, here's the promise. Verse 8. Now, um, just in your own mind, every time you look, see the word all, just kind of highlight it in your mind. Look what God says. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Here's the thing. In the Greek, if, when they were reading this letter to the Corinthian church in the first century, there's no there's no highlights. There's not even capitals and, and non-capitals. So how did writers emphasize things? The way they bolded stuff? How did they do it? Repeat. They just repeated it. What do you think he's trying to do here? Making all grace in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every work. There's a promise here. And I, I, would, I would tell you that 
I can testify that this promise is true. I've not, I've not gotten everything I want. You notice that little part there? Having all that you need. I would, it would be a really great passage to teach if I, it said all you want. All you got to do is do the first steps. But that's not the way God works. He's not, he's not some genie in the bottle. If you rub it just right, he pops out and gives you good stuff. And he's certainly not Santa Claus keeping a list to make sure you're good so you can get what you want. Verse 11, just a few verses later, it says this. You'll be enriched in every way. Now, why would you be enriched in every way? So that you can be generous. The purpose statement behind God's blessings in your life is he's hoping you'll begin to hold them a little less tight so that you can model generosity to the rest of the world. What would happen if the church took this seriously? I mean, what would it look like? One of the great arguments against Christ is the behavior of his followers and collectively the behavior of his church. I've already told you that the average Christian gives away 2.5%. If just in America, just in the United States, Christians who claim allegiance to Christ gave 10%, and I've already said that's kind of an arbitrary number. It should be figured out, each of you. But if we just pick 10, because I'm not very good at math, if we picked 10%, that would mean for the church in America an additional $165 billion. I mean, shut up. Really? Now, let's just think about it. What would we do with $165 billion? Well, how about this? $25 billion could relieve global hunger and starvation and death from preventable diseases. $25 billion annually would do that. Check. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy globally. Check, $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places where the world, in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. Let's do that one too. Check, $1 billion could fully fund every mission organization that's out there, so we keep them going. Check, and the church still has $100 billion to spend on itself. Here's my... Conviction, and this is, I don't have a verse for this, so let me just step out of that for a minute. I have people all the time tell me, why is God letting so many people in the world go hungry? Why are there so many people dying on, for stupid reasons like dysentery and diarrhea? A lack of clean water for people. Here's an opinion of mine. I think God's already answered that prayer. And instead of us sharing it, we kept it. And so it looks like God didn't answer. But what if God already did answer? 
And if when we get up to heaven, if somebody says, well, God, why didn't you do stuff? Why didn't you take care of those people? Why were so many people dying and stuff? What if he's to say, well, I resource it. I gave the American church enough money to take care of those problems, and they decided not to do it. They just decided they'd rather have a new car. See, when you think about the collective power of community, you realize that this is a big deal. And God's people are blowing it. Our goal at Westgate Church is to give away a number that's 50% of our general fund. We've only hit it one year. 2011. I don't know why. Every other year we seem to be around 35, 38. We just can't seem to get to 50 yet. What does it mean for you? And again, if you think, that dude's trying to get in my pocket. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't get a percentage of the offering after this thing. I'm not, I'm, this ain't nothing to do with me. I mean, that's the genius of Ollie bringing the, the ball guy in to talk about money because I, I got nothing at stake here other than the testimony of God's people. So what you might do is just look up and around you, pay attention, and then maybe release a little bit more. Three billion people woke up this morning hungry. Three billion. You might look within and respond and think and pray. God, what do you want me to do differently? Maybe it's, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's nothing at all. But at least ask. God, since this is all your stuff and I'm a steward, how am I doing? How am I doing with it? And then look around also and look up and rejoice. This is not about some guilt trip. I'm not, I don't want you to lose the kind of joy that you have in Christ. Um, we honor him first. And when we do that, that brings joy. And sometimes it also means we got to sacrifice some stuff. Here's the sentence you cannot construct if you're a follower of Christ. You ready? No, Lord. He's either Lord, and if he is, you say yes. <laughs> if you say no, Lord, he ain't Lord. You are. And so how do you say yes to him? What does that look like? Now, if you're here in a Christ follower, I hope, you'll, I hope you'll do some hard work. You'll examine some things. It might not mean much change at all. If so, full credit. Way to go. But it might mean, it might mean something. If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, this is how we're supposed to act. And since here's the freedom you have, Call us on it. If we say we love this God who created all we see and enjoy, 
Does our budget reflect that? You see, I've got a couple of friends um, who are neighbors. And their testimony to me is, is that they and God have a thing. I don't know what that thing is, but it basically means they do what they want. But they know that something is different about me, and they expect three things. They expect me to care. They expect me to pray, and they expect me to be generous. And I think about those things, and I think, of course, and much more. I will, I will sit under that expectation for all that Jesus has done for me. I mean, I have so much more than I ever dreamed. I was the first in my family to go to college and graduate. Um, so far for 42 and a half years, my wife and I are the first in our family not to divorce. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a ridiculous stuff. All the, for her credit. I'll tell her you clap for her. But I mean, it's laid out for you. It's not confusing. The scriptures are clear. And they've been clear for two millennia. God, who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up, would ask the same of his children. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how generous you have been. You are gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Your word tells us that to, to those who have been given much, much is required. But your word also tells us that those who have been forgiven much are also gracious people. So do a work in us, please. Begin in me. Help me not to think I have arrived anywhere other than at the foot of the throne of God. And by your grace, draw my next breath. Whatever you might want to do in us, we submit to it. And I pray as someone who has been praying for this church for many years, I pray that your will would be accomplished here in Silicon Valley as if it's in heaven and that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than the folks here could ever even ask for or imagine. Do the work in them so that you can do much through them and may it be done with joy and with generosity and with grace and with love. Because that's who you are. In Jesus' name.
Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.